0: Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem But wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they get around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, Say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs)
1: My family just recovered from a really bad flu last week. So if you hear me clear my throat a couple of times, don't worry, I don't have COVID. So, Uh, you know. you know how people always say that sequels are never good? Well, book of Acts is a sequel. Luke is a storyteller and he's trying to tell a story. Uh, what's the purpose of his storytelling? He doesn't say much here in the opening of Acts, but he has said it earlier when he opened the book of Luke. He said, isn't it a good goal that he has a good purpose? He's writing so that uh, his audience, Theophilus, and maybe some other people as well, would have certainty uh, about the story. Wouldn't you like that, to to hear a story, to read something in the news, and to have certainty about it, and not be you know, concerned <clears throat> whether this is skewed to the left or to the right that much? I'm... Trying to go to Taiwan, and whenever I tell this to people, uh, roughly four out of ten would ask, "Are you not concerned about the regional security with uh, Taiwan and China?" With and well, I'm I'm always attentive, so I always Google after that, <laughs> just to show that I care, and and I, I always get a bit concerned. But then uh, I also hear uh, conflicting stories, and people say. Oh, it's okay. It's been going on like this for years. Oh, it's going to be war soon. And we just don't, don't know what, what story to tell. Yeah. We, we don't know what story to believe, in, in fact. Um, and it's, it was the situation uh, back then as well. Maybe there were many stories going around about Jesus. Maybe there were different versions. And, and uh, we need, uh, they needed trustworthy accounts. And that's why the gospel authors wrote the gospel, including Luke so that people could have certainty about Jesus and his story. And, you know, it's even worse for us these days. So many stories going around, I think, in my next slides, from these uh, beautiful and trustworthy sources. <laughs> <coughs> you know, I, uh, I, I remember spending 20 minutes on Facebook browsing, and at the end of it, I had this strong conviction that apparently all my life I've been doing things wrong, I've been peeling uh, the apples wrong, I've been chopping the onions wrong. It's, it's just so, so much condemnation. There's actually a book written about it, the things that you've done wrong all your life, just because of so many posts about it on Facebook. But the media, you know, is, is not only interested in telling us what is true or what is false, they're also uh, really strongly interested in telling us what is right and what is wrong. Um, everyday Netflix is preaching to us. It's defining for us what is love, what is life, what is marriage, what is healthy relationship. Actually, it doesn't have to be healthy. That's why you'd be crazy to go into a committed relationship. We hate marriage, except for same-sex marriage and, and all of that. <clears throat> and people every day, uh, the media, Hollywood, Netflix, um, the things we find on YouTube, uh, the videos, trying to define us. What is purpose? What is existence? What is meaning? What is salvation even? And so we need a trustworthy account. We need a story. Uh, Alistair McGrath, in his book, Narrative Apologetics, it's quite a horrible reading for me. I managed to finish it. <laughs> he said, we are called to out-narrate the dominant stories that shape our culture. We do have many stories. By exposing their weaknesses or showing how they are enfolded by our own, or how they are eclipsed by a more luminous and a more compelling story. Can you guess what story it is? That's the gospel, isn't it? It's probably an understatement to say that we live in a world of competing narratives. So many stories going on around us. And we need to tell a story as well. We need to tell this word a story. Otherwise, all the other stories are the only stories that they hear. If we Christians do not tell our story. And isn't it also the uh, the commission that Jesus gave his disciples in verse eight but you will be my uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. I come from a charismatic church. this is one of our favorite bible verses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you you will be my witnesses. Jesus commissioned his disciples to be witnesses. Uh, what are witnesses? Uh, can I say for the sake of the servant today, witnesses are actually storytellers? I remember one of the first subjects I took here in Ridley was Bible and Mission with Charlie Fletcher and um, half of the subject was actually about storytelling, Bible storytelling. And in one way or another, you might have been involved in Bible storytelling ministry yourself. And we know stories are so powerful. It has the power to engage people. Uh, it's so relevant. People draw themselves in and, and identify themselves as part of this story. Uh, Jesus commissioned his disciples to tell a story, to be witnesses. Now, people often uh, say to me, and I often think of it myself, uh, you know, I'm not a really good witness. I'm not a good evangelist. I'm not a good missionary. <clears throat> it's probably not my spiritual gift. I'm, I'm not convincing. Uh, I'm not so great at doing these things. But can I ask you, uh, what does a witness do? In, in English, uh, the word witness is also used in the court setting and if you're concerned, actually, it works the same in Greek. Uh, in Acts chapter six, when Stephen was called into this kangaroo trial, two false witnesses uh, came forward, and the word "witness" is the same as uh, is used here. Martyrs. Um, what does a witness do? Well, people always say, uh, "People say, I'm, I'm not convincing when I share the gospel." But mm-hmm. the job of the witness is not to convince people. That's the lawyer's job. That's the prosecutor's job, depending on which side you take. People say, I'm not so eloquent. Well, the witness doesn't have to be eloquent. They just need to tell the uh, the fact, plain and simple. It's not our job to be convincing. We just need to tell the fact. And that's, the, that's probably the problem there because not many of us uh, i mean not here but not many people would be, would be qualified as witnesses then say if if uh, if marinus's house you know is is robbed by two men and and the police ask me because i live across the road cornelius what did you see and i said to the police well i heard from rees who lived next door, that he saw two men. Uh, well then, when the case goes to court, uh, who will be called as a witness? Not me, but Reese. And I think that's often the issue. We, we don't have a story to tell. Churches and maybe even some Bible schools, we are so good at producing people who know so much about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. And we don't have a story to tell because we're not witnesses. We're just reporters, salespeople. Well, we we cannot be witnesses in the same sense of these people because we're not eyewitnesses. We haven't met Jesus. But we can experience the transforming power of the gospel. It's life-changing impact on us, not just know about it, study about it, because we know there are so many atheist theologians out there. Ridley is not to produce these kind of people, of course. We are to prepare people into ministry and mission. People who experience the power of the gospel so we can witness it firsthand and tell other people about it. Jesus is good. Jesus is powerful. He is awesome. Not because I read about it or my pastor preached about it or my... Professor taught me that, but because the life that I'm living now is a life in Christ, and it is it is awesome that uh, you know you will receive power when, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The the prerequisite to witnessing, again, is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The the, the receiving that power is not just. Uh, a sense of enablement so that when we preach the gospel, we can have a bit of miracles here and there. We can have some convincing power. But if you don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise, the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise of salvation, the Spirit given to us, because when preached Paul, uh, Peter in, in Acts chapter 2, he, he is saying that the fulfillment of salvation is that you receive the Holy Spirit the promised Holy Spirit in, in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel. The, the mark, uh, the down payment of your salvation. If, you have, if we don't have that, we don't have a story to tell. Because we don't have salvation. So we receive the Spirit, we are saved. And only then we can be witnesses. <clears throat> so it's not just, the Holy Spirit doesn't just uh, enable our witnessing. He is the, the content of our witnessing. Because we have the Spirit, we have the salvation, we have the promise. And that is something that we can tell the world, and we should be telling the world. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. For Him, knowing Christ is, is not just about knowing about Christ, but really being transformed, being changed into the likeness of Christ. And that's how we have a story to tell. And we are commissioned uh, to tell a story. So many narratives competing out there again. Uh, The next generation, our children, our congregation, whenever they open the internet, they turn on Netflix, they watch movies. These things are preaching to them. So we have a work to do. To out-narrate the world to tell them the story of the gospel. In verse 11 the angel asked well, told really the people because Jesus ascended before their eyes, they were looking into heaven probably confused what to make of it and Maybe thinking what has happened the past three and a half years leading to now. And what are we going to do now that he's gone? Uh, I don't know what's on their mind. But they were just staring into the clouds and uh, angels had to ask the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I, I quite like how Tim Keller interprets the situation he says the two angels had to give them a gentle rebuke snap out of it man they were saying he left and he's coming back but until then there is work to do so get to move on and it's quite a good reminder for all of us here as well isn't it we have work to do uh, and so often we we waste our time in our Theological and ministerial navel-gazing. Uh, not all of them are naval gazing but It can be if you lose sight of the gospel and its calling on us. Looking into the clouds. The fact is, we have so much work to do. We have a story to tell. Uh, last year, when I uh, shared in uh, Global Mission Week Chapel as well, I was asked the question, uh, do you have a, an advice do you want to share with uh, people preparing to go to mission? And I gave my answer. I don't know what I said. I don't remember. It wasn't a really good answer. Uh, I'm a slow thinker, so the question remained with me for days. And then I came up with a brilliant answer, which is I thought, oh, it's too late. But now I'm here again, so it's not too late. <laughs> I've been given a second chance. You know, here's the thing Let me let me tell you. Uh, in my preparation for mission... Uh, the best advice that was ever given to me is this. Uh, preach the gospel now. Because if you're not doing it now, what makes you think that you will do it later in the field? And uh, that's my brilliant piece of advice, which, uh, <laughs> which I heard from someone and I'm passing on to you. In, in our uh, preparation, my dear Ridley family, into ministry and mission as we are in this place, uh, preach the gospel now. Because if we're not doing it now, what makes us think we will do it later out there after we graduate? What changed? We have a story to tell, right? We have, we have a narrative, we have a beautiful narrative to tell, a story about Jesus. Get to move on, basically, that's what the angels were saying. And man, did they move? The, the apostles, they moved? The Holy Spirit moved, as we can see from the rest of the book. The story goes, the story continues. And even until now, we are the continuation of that story. As we share the same mandate, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Some of us here are preparing for ministry or mission. As we live the transforming power of the gospel ministered to us by the Holy Spirit, we have a beautiful story to tell. So, get a move on. Get a move on. The world is busy telling the stories. We have to tell our story too.